Gentile Podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the German man himself, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. (laughs) I love Johannes. That was the word from Johannes last week. Unbelievable. Oh, I've already got, I'm going to take his voice and I'm going to turn it into a sound for us here, so it's going to be great. I loved talking with Johannes last week. He was fantastic and people were telling me the sound room is not Steve Herzig. No, it's definitely, they're going to have to go back to the drawing boards. Hold on a minute. Here we go. Well, welcome in everybody. Hey, we've got a great show for you. Before we get there, number one, go to your phone right now. Text us 424-444-1948. And here's why. We want to know if you stand with Israel. Text us. Text Steve and I, let us know that you stand with Israel and the Jewish people, because what's going on in Israel uh, with with the war that's happening in Israel right now is not only anti-Semitism of Hamas against Israelis, you're seeing it rear its ugly head in anti-Semitism, the hatred of Jewish people globally. Uh, It's here in the United States. It's in Europe. It's in the Middle East. It's all over. And so when you text us at 424-444-1948, would you let us know that you stand with Israel. And another way that you can stand with Israel and the Jewish people, Steve, is let them know, Steve. Let uh, them know. Uh, finally, we got mugs on a mug. You got it. I've been waiting over a year, Chris. Mugs on a mug. And already we've had some uh, people, before we've even done it on the podcast, advertising on the podcast, you let our our, our mailing list know. We have an email. Address. What text? Only our text group. Oh, our text group. So if you've ever texted us before and you showed interest in wanting a a mug on a mug, I texted you right when that website was set up for donations. And we've actually uh, there's several people we've uh, donated and we've gotten them a cup. It, they, the cups are already showing the up. Mugs on a mug. Tell them how they can get it now. Well, if you go to go. F-O-I dot O-R-G. Do it again. Hold on one. I wasn't finished. Oh. Forward slash mug. So go F-O-I dot O-R-G forward slash mug. And the link is in our show notes. Show notes. If you give a minimum of $10, you will receive a mug on a mug. That's Steve's mug, my mug uh, on a coffee cup. Now, here's the thing. Just see, we have to let our people know here. Um, it's $10, a minimum donation. But and that's quite a... I mean, if they're thinking of it in terms of a purchase, Chris, I, they're getting the cup and the shipping. Yeah, uh, and the shipping. It's not like we're, I think we're, we're, I think we're paying them. We're paying them. <laughs> and wouldn't you know, we're paying them to have a mug on a mug. We're paying them to support us. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to us. That's right. I don't know if we made the right decision there. But either way, for a minimum of $10 donation, you can get your mug on a mug. Now, remember, it's limited time. So we've only got a select amount of mug on a mugs. We'll order more if we see uh, demand. We had a donor who provided the cups for us. We have to provide the shipping. But, Chris, if there's a demand for these, uh, although I can't imagine seven people wanting that many cups but if if there's a demand and we run out we'll certainly come back to the donor and see if we could get more cups well and steve uh, i just got a text from area code 530 and they say i stand with israel and they have the t-shirts and mugs to prove it so there you t-shirts. go t-shirts where do we get t-shirts I don't, I don't know exactly what t-shirt they're talking about um but 
It sounds like they have the mug to prove it, though. Well, That's the fantastic. The mug is good. The Jew and the Gentile mug. Look, if you go around somewhere out in the public with this during this particular time of year, People are going to notice. That, that's right. They're exactly. Gonna They're going to say, what are those mugs on a mug doing there? <laughs> what is this Jew and the Gentile on the same mug? What is going on? Well, let me just say this, too, that when you give to get your mug, you're actually not giving to just the this podcast. This podcast is a tiny, tiny, tiny uh, uh, outreach of the bigger ministry of FOI Equip. I We're going to actually stress this more toward the end of the year when we have our final drive to help support FOI Equip. But look, ministry isn't a podcast. Steve, I've, I've been thinking about this more and more. Ministry is not a podcast. Uh, it's, it's not just teaching. Um, ministry is engaging with people. It's it's that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus he taught, but he also engaged with people. And the people that he engaged with engaged with were, were the disciples, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Uh, he was engaging with them, and that's what we want to do. Ministry is about people. And so when you give to FOI Equip and you get your mug on a mug, you're actually giving to help further the truth of the gospel all around the world. So we have volunteers that are serving on our Tikva team. It takes money. Actually, believe it or not, it takes money to manage volunteers. Um, it, we have uh, interns that are serving in the U.S. and Canada um, who are doing work in the Jewish community, connecting, building bridges with the Jewish community. Um, we have our teaching platform through FOI Equip, our, our Bridges program, our Encounter program. All of these involve people. Oh, and Origins in Hesed in Israel. They're all people-oriented. So the Jew and Gentile podcast is just the tip of the iceberg if you're just listening to us. If you want to go deeper, if you get a mug on a mug, we actually encourage you to give more if the Lord leads you to, because it's not just to give you a coffee mug that you can put your soup in or whatever. Hey, or, some person put asparagus. Yeah, they sent the picture of asparagus in it. Hey, Zygazunt, do what you got to do. Zygazunt, enjoy your asparagus. That's right. But it's giving to something more deep. And so go to gofoi.org forward slash mug, and there you can make your donation to receive a mug on a mug. I can't believe it, Chris. It's finally here. And look at those. Look at those two. The punums. The punums. The punums. At, at least they're smiling. <laughs> now, I maybe we could have people take their cup, smile, and have three mugs oh, smile. We're already getting those. If they actually, if you are not a, uh, if you have not liked our social media page, our FOI Equip social media page on Facebook, I encourage you to go do it because you'll see some mugs. Holding up the mug on a mug. So there Unbel you go. Unbelievable. <laughs> Yo Johannes lives on. Well, Steve, let's talk about uh, your trip to Germany. It sound, it, The pictures you sent me look like a real encouraging trip that you had as you were a conference speaker in Germany. You know, Chris, uh, as I was there, I leaned over, as we landed, I leaned over to my wife and said, this is just like a moment. Uh, a Jewish guy... Uh, who's a Christian Jewish guy, uh, coming with a German, partly German, gal, who uh, we've been married 40, almost 46 years, and we land in Germany. Now, Germany, my son was in Rammstein uh, and served there for a couple of years. My father in World War II uh, came through Normandy and France uh, and then went up to Belgium, uh, where, his, uh, where his orders were, but to free the people in Germany and, and the world to get rid of Nazism. And here I am in Germany with believers mm. who love Israel. 
who love Israel, Chris. Mm-hmm. So it was so amazing. And then Johannes said to me, hey, we on Friday, there's a right before Shabbat, the synagogue is asking for people who want to stand with Israel. He knows our school. We've we've done things for them to help them. We'd like to go there. Would you be interested? Interested? Of course. I'm, we're ready to go. So here we are standing in the uh, the courtyard of the synagogue, which Chris, uh, it is called. It's a town called Hagen, and it is sixty percent Muslim. Oh wow! And forty percent non-Muslim, and there's only one synagogue in the city or town, and we were there. There's some two hundred people. They sang Hatikva in Hebrew. There were Israeli flags. Christians were there. Jewish people were there. Uh, so were the police to quarter off the place, oh, yeah. to protect the people. Because, Chris, that same town in t- 2021, they foiled, the police did, an attempt to blow up the synagogue. That was during a time around the <laughs> Pittsburgh uh, uh, synagogue uh, where uh, 11 Jewish people were killed, gunned down. Steve, um, you were there, and I, you're talking about the fact of you know you being— a Jewish person whose family did perish in the Holocaust. Like your extended family did perish yes. in the Holocaust. Yes. And here you are in Germany. And like you said, your wife is German and there's, you know, you and her are equally yoked, um, which is amazing. And so, but at the same time, you're hanging out with Johannes, whose family has ties back to the Nazi party. And in fact, I'm not just Johannes, but it's right. They were involved in the SS. That's right. And a student came up to me, and he he was so interested in what we were doing. We talked. He said, I just want you to know my grandfather was in the SS, but the gospel changed my father, and it changed me. Mm. So, Chris, I'm a believer. The gospel changed me. Jesus Christ changed me, uh, changed my wife. Uh, we're become new creatures. So, in Germany, it's it, it, or any country, it's not a question of what language you speak. It's not a question of what food you eat or don't eat. It's a question of fellowship in Christ. He died for the sins of the world, and any person who receives him will not perish but have everlasting life. Chris, there was a bond with those students, with the staff. They were so gracious, so so loving. It was just a wonderful time. Uh, I had a translator. Oh, I trying to translate me. Not, I can only imagine. I, I can't. That poor lady. It was a lady, wasn't it? It was a lady. That Christine. lady. She's still on vacation. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I tell you, but she was she was wonderful, um, and uh, had a chance to to teach on Jerusalem for the students. I, Chris, from eight forty five in the morning till quarter to one, with fifteen minute break, I talked uh, and Christine talked yeah. about <laughs> Jerusalem. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It was unbelievable. How many messages was it again? It, I don't know how many messages. It was just one continual thing. Uh, I had, did you use, ne- yeah, cause you, Laura, uh, we have to give props to Laura. She made all your slides, but I said to Laura, do you think he'll use all of the slides? And she goes, I don't know. Cause you know, you and I have the tendency, we don't follow slides. We'll create slides, yeah, but PowerPoint, but then we start to talk that's and right. boom, we're you're, I think at the last PUC that we were at the prophecy up close, you are on your introduction slide uh, <laughs> for 30 minutes of a 35-minute message. <laughs> That's true. I'm guilty. But I did. We had uh, 80 slides. 
and 80 I, slides. 80 thank slides. you, Laura. And so, yes, thank you, Laura. And they did. They brought, uh, I brought Laura back some uh, fresh preserves that were made uh, right there on the property. And they gave her a little message. Thank you, Laura, for managing this crazy guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, he made it safely there, and hopefully he'll make it safely home so he could give you this job. That stuff, is great. Which I did. Well, Steve, I you know, I'm just thinking about the fact that Christ redeemed uh, you know, eighty plus years ago the Holocaust, and here you're hanging out with Johannes, who has ties back to the his family, back to the SS. Uh uh you, your family um perished under the your extended family perished under the Holocaust, and yet Christ redeems it. Christ unifies the th- you and your wife and Johannes and even the German culture. I mean, the fact that you can stand at a synagogue and support Israel, that Christ was able to uh, redeem and reconcile uh, those relationships. You know, my mind even goes to the, not just what happened in the Holocaust, but on October 7th with the butchery of Hamas. I think of what Christ can do with uh, Mossab Hassan Yosef, who's the son of the Hamas leader who found Jesus, and he's speaking out against um, uh, uh, the dangers of Hamas being raised in it. And he's speaking now. He was the son of a Hamas leader. Now he's a Christian, and he's I'm, agrees with us that uh, uh, Hamas is a terrorist organization, a genocidal terrorist organization. Um, and I bet he could, I know he could sit here and we are reconciled together, even though his upbringing, his, the, the people, uh, committed that crime there are, there's still in the blood of Christ forgiveness and reconciliation. So my mind doesn't just go to the Holocaust. It goes to even those, uh, people who grew up in Hamas, who, who became believers. Uh, I, I don't know if that makes sense or not. There's reconciliation there. hundred percent. There's reconciliation. And we, Think of the power of the gospel and how it could change people. Uh, and I uh, couldn't help but think Johannes's son-in-law, uh, they've just been married a short time, uh, he's Egyptian. Uh, he's in Christ. So he had a stand at the last conference I was at. So this was Sunday morning. And he, he, he never told me, but he, he's calling me up to the platform. He's calling his son-in-law up, and he has a stand on the stage. And in German, I I didn't I had a translator essentially saying, here they are, uh, one from Egypt, one from America who's Jewish, and their brothers. So I turned to him, I shook I shook his hand, and the people clapped, and I immediately said to Johannes Isaiah nineteen. Uh, Chris, you're familiar with Isaiah mm-hmm. nineteen. There's going to be a road from Assyria to Egypt connecting to Jerusalem in Israel. And there's going to be reconciliation. That's in the millennial kingdom. Yep. But we can we can get a head start yeah. uh, here in the church age as people from all walks of life uh, really uh, having the opportunity in Christ to stand with God's chosen people. And Chris, we're living in a time when it's really separating what we would call biblically the sheep and the goats. That's, oh, big that's just we were talking the, about this. The sheep and the goats. Uh, Look, this, I'm not talking about salvation here. Uh, a person is saved by grace through faith, not of themselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's be clear about that. But it is interesting, Chris, even amongst believers, uh, there are people who are not siding with Israel. Mm-hmm. And for you and I, we talked before we came on the air, 
This isn't even about Israel. This is about a group of terrorists who came into a community and chopped heads and burned people alive. Families. Uh, families. Fam- families. Who woke up to have breakfast in the morning. Exactly. And you've got people who say, well, in fact, very prominent people. One of our news items, Chris, comes right out of the United Nations. Well, you know, there's another side to yeah. this story. No, no, no. There is no other side to a story of anybody who's going to butcher families, elderly people, and take some of them, even on their wheelchairs, back with them as hostages. This, this is insane. As you were in Germany, uh, right when we were done the podcast, I jumped on a plane and went to um, Texas. Uh, what a great story, Chris. Tell us. Yeah, so I went out to visit with the president of Texas A&M, the West Campus in Amarillo, a, a man who's an a amazing uh, supporter of the Friends of Israel, um, him and his wife, Walter and Mary Wendler, and they want to see a Friends of Israel chapter on Texas A&M uh, in Amarillo, um, which is fantastic. I love Texas A&M when I lived in— Well, you love Texas. I love Texas, but I also had a affinity for that particular school. Uh, you know, I kind of— Never, I never went there, but I loved the Aggie spirit, and so, uh, so I was honored to be able to go down and to speak to a multi-denominational Christian denominational group of student groups uh, that uh, that um, you know minister to students on the on the campus. You found something very interesting about these various denominations. I think uniquely in Texas. Yeah. So uh, at, at, while I'm at this dinner. Uh, Walter is so kind to let me get up, and he says, please talk about what's going on in Israel. Well, in front of me was the Catholic student group, was the Methodist student group, was the Baptist student group, uh, um, the Presbyterian student group. So they were all there, uh, the leaders of these groups. And I got up to speak and uh, really talk about the importance of Israel biblically. I went right to Genesis chapter 12 and the promise that God made to Abraham and why that promise is still meaningful today because it's meaningful to us as Christians, because through Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed. If we believe that, then we have to believe, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, which is in the same line, matter as well. It still has the same force it did when God spoke to Abraham. And so uh, the students, or the, the leaders, they, they all of them, it didn't matter what denomination it was, all supported Israel. They all supported Israel from uh, the Methodists. Uh, now, now I have to say, this is, these are more Southern, uh, conservatively minded individuals. I'm not saying it's a stereotypical for everybody in the Catholic denomination or the Methodist or even the Baptist, you know. Um, but I'm saying at that dinner that night, they were all very supportive. How many? How many people were there? Would you say? Well, it was a small group. It was maybe 15, 20 people. Um, you know, like I said, it was just the leaders of these of these right. student organizations. But they represented a, a good group of people. A hundred percent. And so we're hoping to develop something on that college campus, which will be fantastic. But but um, the whole thing, the, the whole reason I bring up that I went down there was because th- there is a problem on college campuses right now. A serious problem. With, with the support for Israel. And I mean, you just have to turn on the news to see Harvard, the Harvard professor all of a sudden has nothing to say about the, you know, about the evils of Hamas or all of a sudden they're speechless. Uh, no, no comment no. is worse almost than a comment negative. Now, if you go in there and you accidentally misgender somebody, they'll kick you out, which is hilarious. They're very vocal about misgendering. But if you have to speak out against Hamas and uh, 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 or, or what's going on in Israel, 
no, you know, we practice free speech. Oh, give me a break. I mean, it, the the evidence is clear. You don't practice free speech. Your silence is deafening. Um, and so uh, I, while, while I was flying home, Steve, I wrote the editorial piece for Israel, my glory while I was up in the air. And, uh, what kept coming to mind is that people like to call this situation complex or or um yeah they'll they'll say there's more to it it's a complex situation what's going on in Israel and it's not complex i think that's what we're trying to get at it's the difference between good and evil it's not a complex situation there's nothing to mull over about this is pure evil in an unadulterated form uh, that we saw happen on October 7th. You know, I was in uh, Hagen, uh, Germany, and I went and looked up the history of that city, that community. And in World War II, Chris, the Allies, when uh, they had uh, air superiority uh, because of the um, uh, Normandy and all that, the Luftwaffe, Luftwaffe was destroyed. So they're flying over, and they bombed that town. Mm. And Chris... According to the history that I read online, Hagen was, they killed hundreds of civilians. And so you have to ask, well, wait a minute, why? That's terrible. Killing, killing German people who are not Nazis is terrible. But the point was they had to win the war. Mm -hmm. the, the, the fight was against Nazism, fascism. The fight was against anti-Semitism and the killing of these innocent people and Adolf Hitler's desire to take over the world. And so the cost for that had to be evaluated, and it was. Well, now you have Hamas, who believes they've been wronged, going in mass murder, torture, anything they could do, and Israel communicating, hey, if you're in North Gaza, go south. Mm -hmm. We're coming. Uh, go south. Who... Who fights a war with one arm behind their back? Israel does. And they'll do it all day. That's Israel has a sense in war of morality. Believe it or not, morality that will not try to intentionally kill innocent people. Well, and we're hearing people come out. I, I hear it on the news all the time that uh, Israel is uh, uh, committing acts of human injustice or, uh, you know, war crimes you know, and this is on mainstream media when clearly, you know, you, you have to I, I I don't know the definitions of war crimes. But when you you know, when you compare it to what Hamas did, uh, I don't think Israel even compares. Like you said, they're sending leaflets down this. Normally, they'd send more leaflets. But this time they just said, get out, go south, because exactly. we're leveling this place, <coughs> which and, they have the right to do. And why are they? They're not trying to bomb uh, mosques and schools except that Hamas is inviting them to do so. Exactly. They put they put their ammunition there. They put people there. Yes. They put people there and dare Israel to strike. And it's it is look, it is very complicated uh as far as the geopolitical uh aspect. No question. But there's no complication about bloodthirsty murders. Yes. And we're talking about what happened October 7th was a blatant, raw sense of evil. And I'll tell you this, Chris, uh, you know, as those of us like you, me, and here at Friends of Israel, we have a lot of articles that we've written through the years, lots of information about the Holocaust. Let me boil it down to what my wife said to me <laughs> this morning, and it sums it up. She said, 
when I've seen pictures of Adolf Hitler and look in his eyes as he's giving speeches and and driving the Nazis to uh, kill the Jews and see the pictures that I've seen online of and the videos of what happened on October 7th, their eyes look the same. Mm-hmm. It's the same pure evil that Adolf Hitler had is the same thing. And Chris, we just uh, talked about that at our chapel this morning. Jim Showers did. Where does this evil come from, Chris? It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's satanic. Mm -hmm. We've said it all along. Anti-Semitism, its core is anti-Semitic. Wipe out the Jewish people. Uh, If Satan's able to do that, then uh, Jesus can't fulfill the promises that he gave to Israel. That's actually the only thing I can think of that satisfies what you're hearing and seeing uh, is so inexplicable how educated people could actually side yeah. with with this. It's Isn't blindness. that funny? That's so interesting that you say that, is that educated people were the ones who sided with the Nazis against the, the Jewish people in Germany. Um, and now we're seeing again from the uh, Ivy League schools of the world, the Harvards, the Columbias, the NYUs, um, again, educated people that are, are, are siding with a barbaric, primitive thinking, uh, individuals like Hamas. And what always baffles me, Steve, is the people who support Hamas, these progressives, you know, you, I think about the squad, the democratic party, uh, or the squad in the democratic party that consists of, uh, you know, like Rashida Tlaib and, uh, Ilhan Omar, these two Congresswomen, um, you know, they get up and, and they side with progressive, a, a progressive agenda from LGBTQ agenda, all of that, and then they go and they support the Palestinians and are even, uh, uh, you know, almost supporting Hamas in many ways. But what's fascinating to me is if that if they walked in with that attitude, that progressive attitude into Gaza, they wouldn't last three seconds in there. They'd kill them. They'd kill them. I uh, honestly, it's mind-boggling to me that progressives, the people who are standing there holding the Palestinian flag, are often the ones holding an, an LGBTQ flag at the same time. I'm thinking, you wouldn't make it three seconds in that place. You wouldn't make it three seconds in Gaza. You wouldn't make it three seconds in the West Bank. You wouldn't make it three seconds in Iran, but this is who you're endorsing. It's a backwards mentality of, of elitism. Um, and I heard this one professor say, it's not even about being called an elite school anymore. They're just expensive schools. They're not elite. They're not ivory. They're just expensive. And you know what's happening, though, Chris? Jewish people, who the majority of them, where no matter where they live, including Israel, are very liberal, even progressive. And they're having a hard time. Uh, one example is a person who is a Barry Weiss, who was fired by the New York Times. She was a let go. She's as progressive as you can get, and she's having a struggle, Chris. She writes about it. It's it's public, and she writes about her struggle. I'm. How is it that uh, people who've always been for freedom and for uh, all all the values of progressives are so much against a people and a country who are for them as well? Yeah. With raw hate, it. She's actually commented, Chris, that. Where she used to be politically, the cir- circumstances are forcing her to rethink, which we praise God for, rethink her value system because she's so disappointed in the people who she thought held them, and they do except for the Jewish people. Yeah. When it comes to the Jewish people, then they don't 
value those values anymore. Well, a lot of these colleges or uh, Ivy League schools um, are have a, a a tough road ahead of them because a lot of people are pulling funding from these yes, schools. Yes, they are. University of Pennsylvania, Harvard. Yep. Uh, yep. And there's what's so if you really think about the anti-Semitism, I think the I I don't want to. You have to double check this, but it was one of the Ivy League schools. I think it was UPenn said that we will not be intimidated by these big donors um, who are pulling their funding, which are Jewish donors. They're pulling their, they're Jewish. And they're even p- people from Citibank are saying, if any of these anti-Semites are coming out of these schools, they're not getting hired by us. And I forget what financial institution it is. But the point is, is that their their silence is going to have, I, I think education is going to change as a result of this. I think parents are waking up and saying, I'm like, what? I'm paying for you to go to a school that supports Hamas, I'm paying for you to go to get this Ivy League education and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to be indoctrinated about Hamas. You think Hamas is the the right person in this uh, battle? I would pull my if I had the money to send my kids to Harvard, I'd pull them in a heartbeat. The only let me just caution you uh, because we know human behavior, Chris. Uh, in two thousand at nine eleven, uh, we know what took place. We know that um, the, our towers in the United States and New York were bombed, and we know that the Sunday after that Tuesday, the Sunday after that Tuesday, churches around the country were filled. Mm-hmm. This was a time, how could this happen? How, the, the, we were not safe. Uh, who do we turn to? And so they were turning to the church, synagogues, m- mosques filled, people wanting to try to figure this out. How long did it last? A couple months, maybe. A couple, couple days. We thank God for it. That's that's good. They got to hear, those who went to evangelical churches got to hear the gospel. But how long after this war will people be asking the right questions? Mm. It's unfortunate. We are a, and by the way, my people wrote the book on short memories. We wrote the book. We were redeemed out of Egypt. 400 plus years, God redeems us, feeds us from heaven. And what do we want? We want cucumbers, melons, garlic. That's what numbers tells us. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what that what we we can't we can't live like this. <laughs> that's what we're, we're going back to Egypt. We we need to go back. Yeah. And that's what I I get concerned about. But it, the Lord is sovereign. He's ruling over. He's placing people in key places. And Chris, look, I had a conversation with my 99-year-old mother, and she said, so what do you think of Biden? I said, Mom, I'm thankful that Joe Biden stood with Israel. Yeah, I'm thankful. There's very little, she knows this, there's very little I might agree with Joe Biden. But when it comes to what he's done in reaction to this. Now, there's people, I can smell the wood burning, Chris, even through the lines. Yeah. There's some people say, well, it's Joe Biden who created all this. That's a, You could have your political opinions, and I, I, we could have that discussion. But when it actually happened that, that Israel was in trouble, the president of the United States, who was put there just like Nebuchadnezzar, studying the book of Daniel, mm-hmm. just like Nebuchadnezzar and Balchazar, who we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, if we get there. <laughs> if we get there. Placed there in the sovereignty of God, uh, he is sending over ammunition. Mm-hmm. He sent over the fleet. The fleet. Uh, um, it's amazing. What's and, his line? Uh, don't. 
Yeah. Don't. I didn't hear that. You didn't hear that? No, I did it's, not. I, I've been laughing because a lot of people have been saying that, the, you know, there was the Bush doctrine, the yep. Obama doctrine, the Trump doctrine. Well, the, uh, the, the Biden, Biden doctrine. doctrine is he goes, don't. <laughs> what, what do you say to Iran, President Biden? Don't. I just heard <laughs> when I was in Germany, I heard him say, hey, you're you're not shooting straight. You got aye, aye, aye. <laughs> to the Israelis. Yeah. No, no to Hamas. To, to Hamas. Hamas. Yeah. Hey, you better adjust the way. You aye, sh- aye, well, aye. I, what, what, I, I couldn't. But anyway, I, I, <laughs> we're not political. OK, I'm this not, is <laughs> I, I, it's beyond me. But the point is, America, Germany, uh, France was Macron was over there. Yeah. Uh, look. Uh, the uh, and boy, I just heard the other side of that. Oh yeah, all the leaders are going one at a time, and they're doing so with the intent that hey, if a big wig is coming to Israel, they're not going to start the ground offensive. So all the Western countries, oh, I read are about saying, that. Go one at a time. Take take a couple days. Tell them you like them. Tell them you'll support them, and. They're not going to start a land, uh, an, an invasion with a big leader there. Yep. So there's always two sides in this kind of discussion. But again, there's no two sides of out-and-out bloodthirsty murder. Oh, and that's what we're talking about. Hey, listen, uh, this is your opportunity if you're still listening, and we're thankful that you're still here. <laughs> these people, they're saying, when, what, what's wrong with these two guys? Uh, go to, uh, Be sure to text us at 424-444-1948 to text us and let us know that you stand with Israel, you support the Jewish people, you stand against anti-Semitism, the hatred of the Jewish people. Text us, 424 444 1948. Well, Steve, I think we need to jump into Daniel. We do. Chris, you know, as we've gone through this book, it just coincides with, uh, not by our planning, that's for sure, coincides with all these difficulties. And I'm struck as I read the text. In Daniel's day, uh, a minority guy living in a Gentile area uh, with rulers that he ultimately is able to rub shoulders with, and Daniel's integrity Daniel's uh, commitment to the to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through difficult days stands out. And here in chapter 5, some time has passed, Chris, but here he is in chapter 5, and there's a feast going on. He's Daniel's not at this party. They didn't invite Daniel. He's, he's actually probably retired. He's up in age. It's the end of the Babylonian Although they don't know it yet, it's the it's coming to an end. Babylon yeah. reign is coming to an end. Actually, the thing that's interesting is uh, that there are between what, chapter my thing f- wasn't interesting. No, it's good. <laughs> you are fantastic. Excellent well, job. Well, actually, excellent the, job. Forget what he said. <laughs> actually, <laughs> the thing that's interesting. Go ahead. No, tell, tell him. No, no, no. no this, tell him. Yours was definitely more interesting. Uh, mine was boring like crazy. Uh, tell no, him. it was not boring. But I do want to just set the background here because the do. the background is that. Nebuchadnezzar um, is off the scene. Um, his son, uh, who took c- uh, control, his name, I always love this name, Steve, is Evil Merodach or Evil Merodach. It looks like evil, like an evil individual. Um, now, what happens is that over time, eventually, his son, Nebuchadnezzar's son, uh, he only ruled for two years, uh, and he was murdered in August of 560 B.C., now, Nebuchadnezzar's son-in-law, evil Muradoc's own uh, brother-in-law, then uh, rules for uh, a few years. Um, and then ultimately, a man named Nabonidus comes into play between 556 and 539 
BC. And, and Chris, Chris Nabionitis- tell the folks, tell the folks, you're getting this. This is secular history in the context of what the scripture's saying. And I, I think it's important background information. Oh, yeah. we uh, This is documented uh, um, uh, succession of mm-hmm. the kings of Neo-Babylonian uh, Empire of uh, during this time. Nebuchadnezzar expanded the Babylonian Empire. His son takes over. There's infighting that's going on, and eventually it lands on the very last of the kings, uh, Nabonidus, and that's where this story picks up is with Nabonidus. And we uh, technically, uh, um, Daniel's rule, uh, Daniel did live up until the first year, I believe, of the uh, of Cyrus, uh, the Persian um, king, which comes in 538 BC. Wait, is that right, Steve? Five th- in my brain, thirty nine, yeah, thought- something like that. Mm-hmm. When when the Jewish people were permitted to go home, um, but here is uh, a time period where. The, the the empire is on its last legs. Uh, and actually, if, if you think about the progression that we've seen here, if you've been tracking along with us through Daniel, we started off with a Nebuchadnezzar with a dream, and he has a big statue, and there he is. He's the gold head at the very time. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. <laughs> I have a dream. <laughs> That's right. And every time that dream came, everybody got sick to their stomach. So <laughs> Tell me my dream. Yeah. Please tell me. Or you're dead. Or you're dead meat. <laughs> <laughs> or as you would say, met, you'd be met, you know, dead meat. So anyway, um, the, the idea, though, is that now we've come to a place where that kingdom, we're actually watching it crumble now. The the kingdom is crumbling, and as it's crumbling, as it's falling to pieces, they have a party. That's, you know, isn't that interesting? A lot of people, when life has fallen apart, you know what they do? Hey, let's throw a party. Let's go out with a bang. 100%. In fact, using a movie as an example, Chris, I've watched Independence Day. Have you ever watched that oh, movie? Yeah. That's a it's good an one. old movie, and the aliens are coming, and they're in that big ship, and they're right over uh, one of the tall buildings in New York. And what are they doing? They are drinking and partying the pe- and playing. The humans music. are. The yeah. hum- oh, look, they're here. <laughs> right. They love us. And, and they look, they're so happy. Well, they had welcome signs. Yeah. Welcome. We're so happy you're here. And what happens? A beam hits. And <laughs> a laser beam. Boom. boom. It's it's all over. It's all. <laughs> and you know what? This is exactly what's happening here. Mm-hmm. What vessels are they using, Chris? Yeah. Let's read a little bit about this because this is interesting. His name is Belshazzar in this, but we know from historical records the names connect for Nabonidus. So King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had (laughs) This is not good. That Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of gold in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles and his wives and concubines drank from them. And as they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. You know what I love about this, Steve, is that those items are the temple items. They're, yes, they're from they're holy items. They're holy and so they have a they represent we don't believe god is in them but they represent the god of abraham isaac and jacob they aren't to be worshiped they are items that were used to worship the god of abraham and isaac and that's exactly jacob. why he chose to use them that he's a gentile pagan who his father had captured them and he's showing it off 
I'm the king. Look, here's here's these vessels from that temple. My father uh, defeated those people and their God. That's let's right. drink. Lift up. Let's lift up to our gods who defeated the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So one of the things that we've been seeing over and over again is a diaspora lifestyle, which is the the point of Daniel is that Daniel a um, a practicing. Um, uh, devout Jewish man, uh, instead of sacrificing his uh, relationship with God and his Jewishness um, and his uh, his devotion to the law, uh, uses it in trusting God and and God you uh, God blesses him by moving him up the social ladder in in Babylon. But he maintains his unique Jewish identity. He is not defiled by the Gentile world. That's very important. Now what happens is these very important artifact uh, 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 um, utensils or the goblets what from the from the temple itself are in this Gentile world and now they who which represent God are being defiled. So God's gonna respond. it's it's a very fascinating uh, thing that's about and, to take and Chris, place. it's invisible. That's right. It's invisible. and that's why Chris, we, you and I are watching the news. You just talked to an Israeli. Uh, I know I saw the video. You showed it to me of what he's doing uh, during this time. And the description was, you know, he watches on TV just like we are watching it on TV, going to his safe room when the sirens go off. His wife is putting a jigsaw puzzle together. And that he said, this is my life. We know him for a long time and we pray for him. Mm-hmm. And, and I think he knows that. But there is, it's the enemy. That's all he can see is Hamas. But there's an invisible war going on, Chris, right now between good, which is everything from God, and evil, which is satanic. And it's happening here in the text in chapter 5. Daniel represents God. Uh, God's placed him there sovereignly. But the other side can't see that. They see, oh, look, this is this Jewish guy who knows how to interpret dreams. Ah, yeah. let's talk to him. Yeah, uh, that's right. And, and <laughs> they don't. To him. They they right? No, Isn't it's that, true. It's <laughs> I never thought. Hey, let's talk to that guy over there. That's right. Well, he has a history. His father, his father ta- talked to him. He knew the dream. Hey, let's. He's an old guy, but he's been around. Let's see what he has to say. That's exactly. And right. there's an invisible battle. God is playing chess with Satan, and Satan loses every time God intervenes. Now, you know, I, can I go back and correct myself, too? Belshazzar is not Nebuchadnezzar. Bel, Belshazzar is, was Nebuchadnezzar's eldest son, uh, who was appointed as a—that's right, because Nebuchadnezzar— Actually, there were two kings at the same time. That's right. It was right. a joint period. So I—, I no, but I want to make sure I correct yeah, myself. Yeah, well, that you, okay. That's because fine. Nebuchadnezzar went a little crazy, and he leaves the scene, and somebody has to take control, and it's his son Belshazzar. So as Nebuchadnezzar, that, that this is the story: is that as Nebuchadnezzar is kind of off um, away He's, from Babylon, his son is enjoying the pleasures of being in control. That's Belshazzar. So forgive me for my. No, uh, I wanted no, to correct myself. No problem. But so I think the setting here, Chris, is that what we see actually happened it's historic but what god is doing here ultimately for his plan and purpose uh, again it's the same thing now chris mm-hmm. we, we're living in a particular period of time 
But we know from the scripture, we went through the book of Revelation, we already know what's going to happen. God is stage setting as he was here. Yeah. Stage setting here in the text, it's simply to pave the way for Cyrus, who will ultimately come. The Assyrians go under that impenetrable wall that the Babylonians <laughs> built, and surprise, boom, yep. he's dead. Uh, and here we are here watching Hamas and Israel and what's going to happen. Well, we already know what's going to happen, but God is staging uh, all these circumstances and like an orchestra, putting it together for what, quite frankly, you and I, Chris, and no one else knows the immediate situation and how it's going to play out. Mm -hmm. We don't know. We know the end, but we don't know how that end happens. Uh, Let me go on here because it says in verse 5, suddenly, as they're sitting there drinking wine from the goblets that come from the temple and the temple in Jerusalem, suddenly the finger of a human hand, uh, a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. And the king watched as the, uh, the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. And the king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners, and I can just see them going, ay, ay, why, again, please. Uh, they're working overtime. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads and writes uh, this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale, and his nobles were baffled. And so the queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't be so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of a holy of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom uh, the king called Belshazzar, was found to have uh, a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. All right, Steve. So I think maybe we should leave for next week. Uh, what the, the writing means. I t- I'm telling you. He said, and I'm going to go brush up on my Neo-Babylonian uh, yeah. king. You you do that. All I know kings. is that, as that uh, Belshazzar said, let's get this guy. He can uh, he can tell me. He can take care of business. He can take care of business. All right. So, But I do like where we're heading here. Um, we are talking, as Steve said, about the fact that there are invisible things that are taking place. There's a battle going on. There was a battle going on in Daniel's day that he knew about. He knew it was a spiritual battle, uh, and, and the, the invisible battle that's going on is manifested in the way things take place among humanity. And so we're seeing that even today, that spiritual battle um, that that Satan is trying to defeat, not only the church, but trying to defeat Israel and the Jewish people. You're seeing it happen right before your very eyes. It's a global event. It happened in a small area of the world, but everybody is talking about it. So you see God working through that. Amen and amen. Chris, we have some news. We have some interesting news, Steve. The first one I want to start with is a senior Hamas leader says hostages will be freed if Israel stops striking Hamas targets. Mesha'al also falsely stated that civilians weren't killed by Hamas's military wing, Al-Qassam brigades, on October 7th. So, 
what we have here, Steve, is that a senior Hamas leader is saying that if Israel just behaves and stops um, uh, targeting uh, Hamas and Hamas uh, targets, then guess what? We will release the hostages that they took. And I think it's nearly 200 hostages. A few of them have been released, um, but it's just going to show that uh, the, the propaganda that's being spread by Hamas. And I'll also have you know that he said this, you ready, Steve? While he was in Doha, Qatar. Do you want to talk uh, about that for a minute? Because oh, the, the sweet life? Oh, the, these isn't it amazing? You know, The uh, spritzer? He can have a little spritzer with a little lime or lemon. That's right. As he sits in his Four Seasons, you know, hotel room, which uh, with a beautiful view, um, his people um, are suffering, um, and that is just the the nature of how that that right there is a testament uh, to the leadership of Hamas. They're not in Gaza. The leadership of Hamas are wealthy individuals who take money from. Uh, they take money from Qatar. They take money from Arab countries. They even receive money from Western countries. And where are they? They're living the sweet life while their people are living in squalor. So senior Hamas leader says Hamas, uh, hostages will be freed if Israel stops striking Hamas targets. Yeah, that's not going to happen. This is from the Jerusalem Post, the article you're referring to. And Chris, towards the end, he said he went on to say that any civilian deaths that were caused by Hamas, they weren't intended. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I It's... Again, coming from Germany and understanding the Nazi uh, view. And of, look, we always separate Nazis from the Germans, and we will separate Hamas from Palestinians who, who are there. They're both elected their, their people yes. and suffer the consequences. But it's interesting that, uh, <laughs> that he could boldly lie just like the Nazi doctrine was. In other words, you make... Don't lie a little. Don't don't do that. Big yep. lie, big, and keep saying it over and over and over and over again, and people will begin to believe it. Well, even when you're watching some of the videos of people who support Hamas or the uh, or, or the or the Palestinians in Gaza, they're saying things like, "Oh, well, the extent to which Israel's talking about the devastation that took place, uh, like the babies beheading. Show me the pictures." Uh, they don't believe, oh, people were murdered this way or killed that way or th just the brutality of it. Uh, they go, oh, we don't believe that. That's the media saying, you know, it's amazing how deaf they are to the reality. They're saying, show me the video, show me the pictures. Uh, Israel's just lying to start a war. So. Well, you know, that's interesting you say that because it's a great segue into the second article, which comes out of Germany. A hundred. This, is, uh, so this is so interesting. Another Jerusalem Post uh, article. The headline reads, anti-Semites cannot be granted German citizenship under new law. This, Chris, this is actually by Root, uh, Reuters, which is... Uh, right, Reuters. Reuters, sorry. Reuters. Reuter, Reuters. You, I think Roto Reuters. Roto Reuters. Roto Reuters. The German parliament uh, is now trying to pass a law so that German citizenship will be denied... For anybody who does who who who's anti-Semitic, yeah, that's, that's amazing. This is Chris. We should I, take a lesson from Germany here. This is fantastic. This is because Chris, we haven't even said it, and I think we need to be reminded. Hamas is on the list as a terrorist organization. Mm -hmm. It is illegal as a terrorist organization to consort in any way 
with a per, with a person or group person or group on such a list. If they're the enemy is of the state, you can't sympathize with them. That's prosecute. You could prosecute that. Well, the Germans who know what it's like during a time World War II, the Holocaust, are saying, you know what? We gotta we gotta make this legislation. I think it's um it's amazing that out of Germany this came. Oh, you know, and you know, it makes you think too. Uh, you know, there's a lot of um, Muslims that move into the into Europe, into the European Union. I mean, it's a big. If you're seeing some of the demonstrations that are going huge, on in France, I mean, anti-Semitism in in France is through the. If there are Jewish people who are scared to wear a kippah to walk from one place to another. A um, hundred thousand um, showed up in support of Hamas um, in Gaza in 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 London. Thirteen hundred percent increase in UK. We just had that report today. And anti-Semitism. Uh, and anti-Semitism from our, our worker in, who lives in London. Uh, and 13, I can't even comprehend 1,300% increase. Well, you know, I was saying this to somebody, too, is that a lot of times people, um, they like to say that anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism. So what that means is I can hate the Jewish state. I can hate the government. I can hate Israel. But that doesn't mean I hate Jewish people. And that's a big, it's actually a big debate right now, is anti-Zionism, the hatred of Israel, anti-Semitism, the hatred of the Jewish people. And a lot of times they go, no, 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 I just hate Israel. I don't hate Jewish people. But whenever there is a uh, a, a, a rally or something that in, in defiance to Israel, there always follows anti-Semitism. And, and so what's their chant? From the river to the sea. Chris, what does that mean? That means get rid of Israel from the Jordan River all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. Which means get rid of the Jews. That's right, exactly. And so, yes, anti-Zionism, the hatred of Israel, is the hatred of the Jewish people as well. Uh, Steve, we got one more that I thought was interesting I wanted to highlight. Yeah, yeah, Chris, this comes from Times of Israel. Tell us about our wonderful United Nothing. Yeah. The, oh, That's what Israelis call it. It is a United Nothing. Israel demands UN chief resign after he says Hamas attacks did not occur in a vacuum, which he's basically trying to say, as I said earlier, is that it's complicated. It's not complicated. What Hamas did was wrong. Um, and so it says Israeli officials uh, railed at U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres Tuesday after he appeared to suggest the impetus for the Hamas terror group's devastate, devastating October 7th attack on Israel was the Jewish state's continued control of Palestinian territories with the Israeli ambassador to the U.N. demanding that he resign. Now, uh, he's uh, the U.N. Secretary General Guterres has responded and said that is not what I meant uh, to Israel. Um, and pushed back against them. But when you say it didn't occur in a vacuum, you're justifying the attacks that took place. Uh, and, and I always think it's funny that we're focused focused on these the October 7th. It's what happened it woke people up. But what did it wake them up to? It woke them up to the fact of what Friends of Israel has been talking about since 2006. I actually went back into our Israel My Glory magazines to see how we defined Hamas when they took power in 2006, 2007 in Gaza. And you know what we called them? We called them a genocidal terrorist organization. We knew 15 plus years ago that, that Hamas was a genocidal organization that had the capacity to do what they did on October 7th. And how did we know that? 
because they tell it to us. They, they, they say the quiet parts out loud for everyone to hear in their charter. Plus, 25,000 rockets have been launched between 2008 and today. 25,000 rockets have been launched from, from Gaza into, into Israel. It's just funny how nobody seems to think about those moments in the past. October 7th, to me, is the the uh, tip of the iceberg of the massive form of anti-Semitism and hatred of Israel that Hamas has been showing the world since they took control. And so 2005, Chris, 2005, Ariel Sharon did something that, quite frankly, we at Friends of Israel— most of the staff, we didn't take an official position, but we were very concerned Concerned as uh, uh, Ariel Sharon ordered the IDF to go into Gaza and physically remove any Israelis who would not voluntarily leave. Mm-hmm. They were, they were, he was saying, we're all leaving. We're giving it all to the Palestinian people. They are, uh, there is a word for it, and of course I can't think it begins with the D. Oh, but disengagement. Disengagement. We disengaged from Gaza. Okay. Unilaterally. On his own. On his own. Yeah, on his own. No laws passed. This is great. Giving the people the opportunity to thrive. Turning over businesses to them with the keys. Hey, Zygazund, and we'll be we'll we will be consultants to you. Which, by the way, that took place in Germany, too. They confiscated, the, the Nazis did, they confiscated businesses. They didn't, they, sometimes they let them be consultants uh, because they needed to know how to operate it. But other times they just said, you're gone, this is ours. Well, what Ariel Sharon did is he preempted that. He said, we're leaving. Here's the keys. Run your area the way you want and Zygazund. Well, live and be well didn't happen. They smashed every profitable business that was given to them. And then a year later, elected Hamas. Mm-hmm. That was, they kicked out the Palestinian Authority and they elected Hamas. And now you have what you have. You know, um, I think it should be, you had brought this up earlier, but the Palestinians, so before there wasn't a divide between Gaza and the West Bank. Um, they were unified politically. Prior, politically, they were unified. They were dis- they were separated by land, but they but they both were run by the Palestinians. Pal- the Palestinian Authority controlled both of them. Then they held elections in two thousand six to see what party would control would would govern the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. And um, when those elections were done, the world was surprised to find out that Hamas won. Hamas won not just elections in Gaza. They won elections by all of the Palestinians, all of them in the West Bank and the Gaza. In fact, they won 56 percent of the votes of 132 seats in the Palestinian legislation uh, in in their legislative body of 132 seats. They won 56 percent of those seats. Um, And it shocked the world because they were expecting the more moderate uh, Mahmoud Abbas, the Fatah party to win. And he didn't. And this ends up throwing the Palestinians into a civil war, Mahmoud Abbas has to make a presidential decree. I'm still in charge. I'm sorry, guys. We can't have Hamas in the West Bank. So he makes a presidential decree. He takes control of Gaza. And there's or no West election Bank. since then. There's He's- been no elections. Hamas continues to control Gaza, Fatah, the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank. But the thing, Steve, is that 56% of the Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza 
both voted for Hamas, which means Hamas is in the West Bank and Hamas is in the in the Gaza Strip. And so this becomes a problem for Israel. Israel has a terrorist issue, not just in Gaza. It's over there in the West Bank as well. They have the same sentiments. That's the difficult part. And to the north, they have 100,000 rockets by Hezbollah, which Hezbollah is controlled by Iran. So you've got all kinds of issues. You've got issues, and that's why people need to have their heads out of the clouds, Steve. Give us the Yiddish word, Chris. That's right. So we're talking about the... Yiddish word of the day, everybody. The Yiddish word of the day is Luftmensch. Not Steve. Lufthansa. Not Luft, but it's the same word. It is the same word. Luftmensch. You, maybe we could divide up the words here. Luft means lift. air. Or cla- lift. Yeah, lift. Yeah, lift. And, and then mensch. Mensch is a man. Yep. And so it's uh, your head, your man is in the clouds. <laughs> you're, you're in the clouds. Your head's in the clouds. Your head's in the clouds. And that's what we're talking about is that there's a lot of people in the world right now with their heads in their luft mensch. Their heads are in the clouds when it comes to supporting Hamas, an evil terrorist organization. Look at it. it people should have a heart for the Palestinian people, but not supporting Hamas. Ay, it's crazy. They're luft mensch. As uh, Johannes would say, Unbelievable. <laughs> That's right. But Steve, we actually have a German word to fit in with our Yiddish. And that, that was the funny thing about you hanging out with Johannes. He understood your Yiddish because it is a German. I use Zygazud. He was using Zygazud all the time. It was fantastic. <laughs> but you have one too that you learned from Johannes while you were over there a German word, which is Unglablick. Unglablick. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's right. So our Yiddish word of the day is Luftmensch, the head in the clouds. And then the German word is Ungoblick, because it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that so many people could have their heads in the cloud and not see the truth. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why we want to be sure we're teaching the truth here on the Jew and Gentile podcast. Thank you so much for being with us, sticking around with us. What's that number to text us? Let us know Are you, you love standing Israel. with Israel. That's right, 424-444-1948. Also, don't forget to go to gofoi.org forward slash mug to get your mug on a mug. Donate to FOI Equip to help expand the global reach of the Friends of Israel as we continue to minister to the Jewish people, support the state of Israel all around the world, especially during this difficult time. So again, you can go to gofoi.org forward slash mug. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for being with us. Continue to pray for Israel and the Jewish people and pray for the peace of Jerusalem.